Good morning. I am glad to be here today, and I hope you are too. God has given us a beautiful day, sunshine, and brisk temperatures, and it's just a, a, a wonderful blessing to be able to gather here with you and worship today. Let me ask you a question as we get started. If you were to die today, I know you don't plan on dying today. None of us woke up this morning and said, you know, I think this will be the end of my life today probably. But if you did die today and you went to stand before God, what would he say? Are you saved? Would you go to heaven? You know, when I ask that question, I get a lot of different answers from people. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm trying. Sometimes people say, well, I hope so. Some people say, well, no, probably not. I know better. Some people say, yes, absolutely I would. What kind of answer would you give to that question? We're going to talk about what Paul considered to be the main thing. We've been going through the book of of Galatians here and we've got the gospel has been the focus of the book of Galatians. You know he begins the letter to this these churches in Galatia and he says, you guys amaze me. He says, I, I just almost don't know what to say because you've already left the gospel and gone to another gospel. He says, that's not even a, a totally different gospel. It's just people have perverted the gospel that I came and taught you and it's perverted and you're following that and it's been under attack. You know, when Paul traveled around, there were people that were called Judaizers. Now, Judaizers means people who wanted to take folks and make them like the Jews. They were Judaizers. And they would follow him around and they would go places where Paul preached and they'd come in behind him and they'd say, you know that stuff Paul preached? That's good, but we've got something better for you. You need to be like the Jews if you really want to be holy. Now, you want to be saved and you need Jesus and all that. But if you really want to be holy... You need to be circumcised and you need to keep these feasts and you need to eat a certain way and you need to be like the holy men of God who are the children of God, God's nation, like the Jewish people. And a lot of people followed that. And so Paul talks about this history of this debate that's been going on and what's really right and what's really true and what's really the gospel and what's a false gospel. And he talks about those being justified by faith and he says our justification is not based on our works like the Judaizers are teaching. You don't have to go be circumcised. You don't have to keep Yom Kippur and all the holy days of, of Israel. You don't do that stuff to be right with God. You're justified by your faith in His Son. And then he talks about being sanctified. Now, justified means being made just. Sanctified, the word sanctity means holy. And so, someone who is sanctified is someone who is made holy. And he talks about once you're just in the eyes of God 
to be holy, that comes from following the Spirit of God. The Spirit's revealed to us in His Word how He would have us be. And He says, if you walk after the Spirit, you won't fulfill. Fulfill? <laughs> you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. You'll be a different kind of person. And then he talks about their relationship to one another. And in this sanctified, justified body, family of God now, sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes other people are going to fall. Sometimes you'll get overwhelmed with, with sin. It's just going to happen. And what do you do about that? Well, you, you help one another. You bear each other's burdens so that ultimately... You're able to bear your own burdens, one another, each of you. And then he comes down to the end of this book. And in the end of this book, the Apostle Paul does something a little uncharacteristic for most of his books. Most, I say his books, his letters. These were letters, really, that were written. And normally, at the end of it, Paul would sign with his own hand at the end of it. But Paul would dictate his letters to a scribe. So like a secretary, and he'd say, okay, say this, and then this, and in my mind, I know you just build up things when you think about them, and in my mind I can see Paul just pacing around and preaching and the scribe writing down everything Paul's saying, you know, and, and tell him this, you know, and say this. And, but he gets to the end of it, and then he'll, he'll sign his name so people knew it really came from him. In this one, he grabs the pen from the scribe earlier than normal, and he says, he writes this. He writes, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now that's a strange thing to write, isn't it? And I've done a lot of reading through the years about this. Some people say, well, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh was his bad eyesight, so he had to write with great big letters so people could, you know, so he could see what he was writing. Other people say, well, no, what this means is I'm going to write a whole bunch here at the end of this book or this letter, which I don't ordinarily do. I don't know which one it is. I tend to think what he's saying is. I've got several things I'm going to say to you this time instead of just sign my name. This is really, 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 really the main thing. This is important. What was it that was so important that Paul would grab the pen away from his scribe and say, I'm going to write this myself? What was that? Well, it's the theme that he's talked about all through Galatians. You know, when you get to the the end of any discussion, anything you've been trying to tell someone, it's pretty common to say, okay, so you remember now, like when we leave town, if Jacob's going to be here by himself, and when we leave, I say, okay, you remember, do this, this, and this, right? We have very specific... That's what Paul does here in the end. He says, I want to tell you now, I want to remind you that the problem you're having is because of these Judaizers and what they're telling you is not right. It is not right. He says this is being told to you by those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. Well, what's wrong with that? Do you want to make a good showing in the flesh? Before we left the house this morning, my wife made me put on this new tie that has flowers on it. <laughs> okay? 
Why? Because she wanted me to make a good showing in the flesh, right? To some degree, right? I mean, we all, a lot of times on Easter, we dress up special good so we can take photos so we have a good show. What's wrong with making a good showing in the flesh? Don't you want people to think highly of you? You know, there's nothing wrong. The Bible says in Proverbs that a good name is to be desired above great riches. There's nothing wrong with wanting people to think highly of you to some degree. But there is when it comes to religion. There's a big problem with that. And Paul's greatest concern was that the churches in Galatia were going off after a false gospel that had to do with this. That's what the whole book is about. And this is the main thing. You see, there was this false gospel. And that false gospel went like this. My good works plus faith in Christ equals justification. The true gospel is this. The cross plus my faith in Christ and that cross is justification. And those are different gospels. They are as opposite from one another as east is from west. They cannot be the same. They're opposites, polar opposites. You cannot have both. You cannot be justified based on your good works and your faith in Christ if you're justified based on the cross of Christ and faith in Him. If you're justified based on Jesus and what He did at the cross and your faith in that, you cannot be justified by the things you do and the works that you fulfill religiously. You can't do it. And that's what Paul says is the main thing. And the reason this is such a problem, and I'll tell you, I believe it's a threat to this congregation in the future. I believe it's a threat to all of us. The reason is because we all are kind of like a car that's out of, out of alignment. Okay? My wife's van is a little bit out of alignment. And so when you're driving down the road, the steering wheel has to be turned just a little bit because it keeps pulling and it keeps pulling. And you have to constantly correct because if you don't constantly correct, you're going to be head on into that car coming this other direction, right? You've all who've driven, you've experienced that, right? You know what that's like. Paul says this is what your heart is like. Your heart is going to constantly drag you toward believing your rightness with God is based on the works that you do. It's a merit-based system and it's bound up in our hearts. It's just the way we are. And I think especially in a culture like America where we are in so many ways a meritocracy and you get what you earn and you earn what you get and that's just deep within us here in our, in our history and our culture. The problem with this is, is it is a false gospel. Look what Paul called it. He said, I'm astonished that you're quickly deserting Him who called you in grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. He says it's not the same gospel. It's something different, and it will not save people. It will not make people right with God. It will not justify you if you try to follow this other gospel. Why does it fail? 
Well, I want to show you two things that Paul mentions right here about why it fails. Number one, it fails because the motivation is all wrong. When I seek to be justified by my works and by the things that I do, my motivation is wrong. Look at the motivation of these people in the passages here. He says that their motivation was only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You know what was happening then? What was happening is their persecution was coming primarily from Jews. And if you stood and said, I'm saved based on Jesus and what He did and I don't have to keep the law of Moses, you were persecuted. But if you would say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to be circumcised and I'm going to the temple and I'm keeping all the Jewish law because hallelujah, the law of Moses is our salvation, people leave you alone. You wouldn't be persecuted. You know, in our world, the issues are different. It's not going to be very long before anyone who stands up publicly and says LBTGQ is wrong and sinful will be persecuted for saying that. But if you'll just say, well, we just love everybody. We just welcome everybody and it doesn't matter. You know, you just live your life and let us live our life. If you'll say that, Churches that will say that will avoid the persecution that's going to come. You know, we all have a desire to avoid persecution, don't we? We have a desire to avoid being picked on, being humiliated, being embarrassed, being injured or harmed in some way. Paul said that desire caused them to change what they did. It des- that desire caused them to teach and believe a different gospel. Not only that, the other reason is that they may boast in your flesh. Not only would it help them avoid persecution, but it would help them get actually patted on the back and encouraged because of the position they were taking. How would that work? Well, the way it worked was all these Jewish people who hated Christianity, if you claimed to be a Christian, they would hate you, but if you'd say, well, you know what? We're going to keep all the laws and we're going to be circumcised and we're going to do all the things Moses said to do, they would come and they would pat you on the back and they'd say, you know what? We just need more people like you who are peacemakers, who can just be reasonable and not go crazy about this Jesus stuff. And you would be lifted up. And what Paul says here is these are twin evils. The fear of human opposition and the love of human praise. He says they're twin evils. Do you love human praise? Do you love people to pat you on the back? We all do. Do you fear human opposition? We all do. That's why we're out of alignment. That's why we keep pulling toward this false idea, this false doctrine. That's what motivated. So this false doctrine that says, well, I will be right with God and my standing religiously is determined somewhat based on what I do 
we've missed the point. We've missed the main thing. We're trying to please the wrong people. We're trying to satisfy or please men instead of seeking to satisfy or please God. Number two reason that this won't work is that it can't be done. You can't be right with God this way. Look at what he says here. He says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. So he says, you got these people coming in and they're telling you, you better keep the law, you better be circumcised, you better keep these feasts, and you better keep all the law. He says, even those people, you think they really keep the law? They don't keep the law. Maybe they try. Maybe they keep some obvious outward things. They don't keep the law. They're corrupt. In fact, this was a very common problem in that day. Look at what he says in the book of Romans. He says, You have no excuse for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. He says, you know, it doesn't work to say you're going to be right with God based on how you live. It just won't work because you can't do it. The truth is, deep down you already know the truth, don't you? You know, when I was putting this lesson together, I always look for, for pictures and things online that I can use to illustrate points. And, and I typed, at, typed in the Google search engine on the images, you're not good enough. I wanted something to illustrate the fact that you can't be good enough with God. You know what I found was about 50,000 pictures saying, don't ever let anyone tell you you're not good enough. But you know you're not, don't you? I mean, honestly, don't you know? You know you're not good enough. That's why you feel guilty. Guilty people feel guilty. We feel guilty because we're guilty. None of us are good enough. None of us are right with God because every single person here in this town, in this nation, in this world, we all sin. We all do stuff that's not right, and we know it's not right. So what does Paul say? He's grabbed this pen, he says, you know, these Judaizers, they're hypocrites, they're doing stuff that they don't want you to do, they're trying to pretend they're righteous, they're doing it for the wrong motives. What does Paul say you do instead then, here in the end of the book? What does he say? What's our response to that to be? And his response is this. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am not going to boast. Now earlier in other writings he said, listen, I was a Jew of the Jews. I was a, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was zealous. I did all this good stuff. And he says, you know what? I gave it all up for Jesus. He said, I'm not going to boast about anything but Jesus. I want to look at three things about this kind of boasting. Number one, he says this. We just missed the passage, didn't I? He says, I'm going to boast, but I'm only going to boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus. 
Now, what I want to point out about that is that everyone boasts. We all boast about something, right? In doing some research about boasting, probably as egregious a boasting as I found was the boasting of Kim Jong-il, the leader of North Korea. Here are some of the things that he has boasted of, that he wrote 1,500 books while he was in college. Do you think he did that? I don't think so. That he was born under a double rainbow. That there was a new sky, a new star that appeared in the sky at his birth. That he walked when he was three weeks old. That he talked when he was eight weeks old. That the very first time he ever bowled, he bowled a perfect 300. And the first time he ever golfed, he got 11 holes in one. And got a 34 for 18 holes. Zach, that's better than you, isn't it? Even boasted that he never had to use the toilet. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, that is outrageous, ridiculous boasting. And there's not anyone in here who believes any of that stuff. Would you ever say anything that ridiculous? I wouldn't. But yet, we do boast, just to a different degree, don't we? We boast, we say things like, well, I did that, but you know, I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't done this first. And we justify our behavior, our sin, by other people's sin. We say, I never meant to hurt anyone. My intentions were good. I never meant for this to happen as if somehow or another that absolves us from the responsibility of it happening. We say, well, I go to church. You know, I'm not like all those. I go to church as much as I can. We say, I was baptized. You know, there's a lot of people who claim to be religious won't even be baptized. Look at us. We teach the truth about that. We're baptized. I give money to support the church. I do my best and I don't make excuses. I stand up and I take responsibility for myself. That's good. But that's boasting. Boasting in a different way. We say, well, at least I never fill in the blank. You've said stuff like that, haven't you? Well, at least I never did this. Maybe it was in an argument with your wife or your husband. Well, at least I never... All of those are boasting in a different way. But really what Paul's talking about here is boasting in a little different context. The word boasting here really means to glory in or to trust in. It means to rejoice in or have confidence in or revel in. You see, to boast in something means I place my confidence in that something. Okay? I place my confidence in it. Kind of like two little boys arguing and one says, my dad can whip your dad. Okay? His boast is not in himself. His boast is in his dad. He puts confidence in his dad. Now, one of them's wrong. 
but he puts confidence in his Father. Religiously, what do you put your confidence in? What do you put your boast in? The story's told about a little girl who visited her grandma out in the country and they had sheep out there and the little girl was from the city and she looked out and she saw this little sheep here, this little lamb out in the green grass and she said, Grandma, that is the whitest sheep I ever saw in my life. And that night they had a snowstorm and there was snow all over the ground and she looked out in that very same pasture and saw those very same lambs out in the snow and she said, Grandma, I believe that's the dirtiest lamb I ever saw in my life. It was the same lamb. It was just on a different background, right? It was just compared to a different thing. You know what? When I compare myself to other people, as the old poem says, there's always greater and there's always lesser, aren't there? And there's always someone that I can compare myself to and feel pretty good. You know? And there's always someone I could compare myself to and not feel so good. The Scripture that Paul hung his hat on is what Jesus said, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You see, when we stand before God, our boast is one thing or the other. Our boast is either this false gospel of my works and how good I do, or my boast is in the cross of Christ. And Paul saw there can be no overlap. You know, Jesus told a story about these two different kinds of men. And in the story, the one who boasted of his good works looked out and he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. And the other guy wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know what Jesus said? He said, this guy right here, this guy went down to his house justified and not that guy. But you know the thing about it is, this guy was right about the stuff he was saying. He fasted and he tithed and he did all these good things that that guy over there wasn't doing. And he felt good about it. And he felt proud of the things that he'd done. And he felt holy because he did these holy things. And he depended on his holiness and he trusted in his holiness and he had confidence or his boast, you see, was in his holiness. His boast, when you take out the things that are the same from each side, your boast boils down to that. Do you boast in your good works? Or do you boast in the cross of Jesus Christ? And his answer to that is you can only boast in the cross of Christ. Your works merit nothing with God. And if you think they do, that's a false gospel. That is a false doctrine and one that will not justify you in God's eyes. The second thing he says about this is that our boast must only be in Christ. I ask you this question when we began. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? 
I don't know, I don't want you to stand up and answer that, but I want you to remember your answer just for a moment. Why did you give the answer you gave? If you said, well, I'm trying, what are you depending on there? Your abilities and your works or the cross? If you said, well, I hope so, what are you hoping on? That you're doing good? That you're being good enough? Or the cross of Jesus? If you said, no, I know I wouldn't be right with God. Or if you said, yes, I am right, I would go to heaven. Why do you believe you'd go to heaven? Well, because I'm at church. It's Easter. I do good. Every chance I get, I try to be honest. I try to help people. I try not to take advantage of people. I try, I try. Really? Is that why? You know, for years, the way I grew up, I grew up in a, in a church of Christ, a religious home, a religious family that loved God and tried to do what was right. And for years, my answer to that was, I hope so. My answer to that was, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to give it my very best. And hopefully, when I come to the end of life's journey... I'll say, will it do, precious Lord? And he'll look at my life and he'll go, yeah, that'll do. Hopefully. That's wrong. That's a false gospel. And I knew it was because I knew inside me that there was no way he was going to say yes when I said, will it do? Because it wasn't good enough. It was not right. You see, the only solution the only answer is Christ. And the only answer is Christ because we cannot keep the law of God. On your best day, you cannot do everything God wants you to do. You cannot be perfectly holy on your very best day. And if you can't be perfectly holy, you cannot be just based on the works that you do. You just can't. And it doesn't matter if you're circumcised. It doesn't matter if you keep feasts. It doesn't matter if you go to church all the time. Those things don't make you right with God. And I do want to qualify what I just said. I'm not telling you it doesn't matter if you go to church. All those things do matter, but they're not what make you right with God. They're what we do because we've been made right with God. The third thing is that boasting in Christ alone changes everything religiously. And I know this from personal experience because it changed things for me. And Paul says and teaches us that it changes things. He says that they were boasting in Christ alone by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, if somebody captured me and told me to deny Christ and I wouldn't do it and they crucified me they killed me maybe hung me on a cross or ran me through with a sword or whatever and they killed me would that change my relationship to the world well yeah I'd be dead <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be here anymore that would change my relationship to the world right my relationship to all of you would be different because I wouldn't be around y'all would have church without Michael because I wouldn't be here Paul said, the world was crucified to me in Christ. 
And he says, I was crucified to the world in Christ. Look at what he says about this in Romans. He says it this way, talking about the very same thing. He says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you think you're dead to sin? Do you believe you're dead to sin? I say, well, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was dead to sin. But I'm not dead to sin. He says, consider yourself dead to sin. If you're right with God, consider yourself dead to sin. I know I've used this illustration here before, but if this was a casket instead of a communion table, and we had some guy laying in that casket, and he was dead, and I walked up and offered him a fifth of the best whiskey money can buy, what do you think he would do? That's all he'd do. Why? Because he's dead to that. <laughs> he has no desire. What if I offered him a million dollars? He's not going to do anything because he's dead to it. Paul says, when you depend on the cross of Christ, the world is crucified to you and you're crucified to the world. You consider yourself dead to sin. Now, I don't feel that way. But Paul tells me to consider myself that because in reality, spiritually, that's what happens when I depend on the cross of Christ. Paul, uh, James said it this way, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You can't do both. You either die to the world because of the cross of Christ or you live to the world and you do your best to be right with God on your own power. You cannot do both. You can do one or the other. If you seek to be a friend of the world, you are not a friend of God. You are an enemy of God. And he says here in Galatians 6, then for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. He says it does not matter to God. If you were circumcised or you weren't. It does not matter to God if you were keeping some of the laws because you can't keep them all. And the only thing that would matter to God is if you could keep them all. And you can't do that. He says, you know what matters to God? Is if you are a new creation. You're different. Inside, you're different. You're a new creation. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation if you are in Christ. Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now, the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul said, I see it as such a change that it's like I'm not even living my own life anymore. Jesus Christ is living through me. I'm not doing things that I do anymore. Jesus Christ is doing them through me. You see, I'm different. The old WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? If Jesus were me in my life, a 55-year-old man married to Carrie and having four kids and living in the house I live in and being here today, what would Jesus be doing? 
And that's what Paul says he does. That's the way he lives. But he doesn't do that thinking that I'm doing good and God's going to appreciate me because of this. God's going to love me and God's going to forgive me because I'm doing this. No, he does those things because Christ is in him. His focus is all Jesus Christ. He says, in fact, I believe that so much that I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Knew a guy, in fact, he used to attend church here many years ago, got tattoos about Jesus. He put marks of Jesus in his body. In fact, he even took a branding iron and branded crosses in his forearms to bear in his body the marks of Jesus. Is that what Paul's talking about? Think Paul had some great tattoos? It's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about this. He was persecuted for Jesus. He would not give up his belief his true gospel. He wouldn't turn away from that. He wouldn't give it up for fear of persecution of man. And he wouldn't give it up for the praise of men either. He wouldn't give it up for any reason. And when you won't give it up, at some point in some way, you're going to bear some marks of the Lord Jesus. And if you can get along with people that hate Jesus, if they like you and hate Jesus, there's a problem. The problem is you're not very much like Jesus. If they hate Jesus and love you. They will persecute you. They will not lift you up. They will not encourage you. You cannot be friends with the world if you be like Jesus Christ. Paul said this, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. He says, I count everything as loss. It's all useless to me. It all means nothing to me. It's all rubbish for Jesus. Sean just started a business. You didn't know I was going to pick on you this morning. Sean just started a company and he is out there busting the pavement trying to make that company grow. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having business. We have to support ourselves. The Bible tells us to do that. Would you count that loss for Christ? Would you give it up tomorrow for Jesus, for the knowledge of Christ? All of us have some way to earn a living, right? Would you give that up for Christ? Would you give up all your, your hopes, your dreams, what you think you're going to have in the future? Would you give that up for Jesus? Really? That is boasting in the cross of Christ. That is trusting in the cross of Christ. I'll give it all up. I'll trust in Christ and I'll trust in Him alone. And whatever it costs me, whatever I have to give up, I'm going to give it up because I don't have righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. He says, I have no righteousness in me and I guarantee you this, Paul would shame any of us as far as the righteousness of his life. Wouldn't he? And he says, even with that, I've got nothing. i got nothing. I have no righteousness in me. It's all in Jesus Christ. The righteousness is all 
comes from God that I may know Him, Jesus Christ, and the power of His resurrection. Today is Easter. Today is the day that most of the world celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To Paul, this wasn't a passing glance. This wasn't a once-a-year visit to the church. This was an all-day, everyday kind of thing. This motivated him. It caused him to give up everything for Jesus. It wasn't something that was an occasional holiday. But it was the very essence of his rightness with God. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is in vain, and you are still in your sins. Paul said, the truth is that this cross we've been singing about this morning, if that didn't happen, and if Jesus didn't come out of that grave, you're wasting your time. You'd have been better off to do something else today because you are still in your sins. This does nothing for you at all. If Jesus didn't come out of that grave. Do you believe Jesus came out of the grave? I believe that. Do you believe that enough to stake everything on it? That that's your boast? That's your trust? That's what you put your confidence in? That Jesus came out of that grave? You know, it really struck me when Justin Springer died. I mean, I'd always believed in Jesus. But when Justin died, you know, he was a, many of you knew Justin. He was about the best friend I had in this world. And Justin, when he first found out he had cancer, one of the first things he did was he started thinking about all the things he'd done in his life. And he started trying to correct things that were mistakes in his life. I understand that. That's a natural response. But when it came down to it, you know what he finally came to was this. I just got to be all in on Jesus. I've got to be all in on Christ. Because I'm betting my eternal soul that He was who He said He was and that He came out of that grave and I'm depending on that. I'm counting on Him. And it's just like my legs are broken and I can't walk and you're going to carry me. I'm going to depend on you. Not that I'm not going to hold on to your neck. I'll, I'll hold on to your neck while you're carrying me. But I'm going to depend on you. And I really learned that through that thing with Justin. Through his death. That the bottom line is you're going to bet your soul on something. You're going to die. You're going to bet your soul. And Paul says, if you're betting it on how good you are, you're not saved. But if you're betting it on Jesus, if you will hang everything on Him, that's the main thing is to have everything based on Him. And you know what he said after he says this? He says, if He's not been raised, our preaching is vain. That's worthless. Your faith is vain. That means worthless. You're still in your sins. You know what he says next? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He has. And this resurrection, this Easter, it's true every day of your life that Jesus was raised from the dead, not just on Easter. It's true. People ask me why I'm a Christian. You know what my answer is? Because Christianity's true. 
That's why I'm a Christian. Jesus came out of that grave. That's why I'm a Christian. It's true. It's right. It's real. And that can be my only boast. It can be my only trust. It can be my only confidence. Just as Jesus Christ were raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in this newness of life. We walk in a new life. You see, my boast is in Jesus Christ. You know, there was a famous book written just a few years ago. And one of the big quotes out of that book, and you see it all over, you got the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You've heard that? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's hard for us to do, isn't it, as humans? It's hard not to get distracted and get involved in all. The main thing is the cross of Jesus Christ and that He came out of the grave. That's the main thing. And if that's true, I hang everything on that and that informs and that controls everything I do every day. And I care more about that than I do my business. I care more about that than I do my future. I care more about that than I do my family. I care more about that than I do my health. I care more about that than I do anything else. I especially care more about that than I do escaping persecution or getting the praise of some human here on earth. I care more about that than all of those other things. And that's what Paul said was so important that he would grab that pen from his scribe and he says, I want, I want you to get this. This is with my own hand. Don't trust your good works. Trust the cross of Christ. Make that the thing. That is the main thing. And that should be your main thing every day. The cross of Jesus Christ. You need to hold on to that every day. That should control and guide what you do every day. I hope it does. We all fail. We all struggle. But the main thing is we hold on to that. I hope that's your motive. I hope that's your drive and direction in your life. The book of Galatians has a wonderful, valuable message to us. I hope you've gotten some good out of this series. I hope you've read the book of Galatians over and over during this period of time. You know, you've been encouraged to do that. I hope you've been doing that. If you have, there's no doubt you've gotten some good and benefit out of it. Just don't forget at the end of this series, all the things we've talked about, the main thing is the cross of Christ. That's the main thing. And I hope that's the main thing for you. If it's not, what better day could there be than a beautiful Easter Sunday to make that the main thing in your life? What better time could that be? If it's not the main thing, you know it. Fix it. Make it the main thing. You can be baptized into Christ today. You can recommit your life to Christ today. We can pray with you and for you today if you need that. If you have a spiritual need to make that the main thing, and we can help you with that, we ask you to come to the front while we stand and sing.